Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Today's message is titled, Jesus Christ the Righteous. This is the second message of our four-part series, Jesus in the Psalms and The Old Testament always points us to Jesus Christ, and the Psalms are especially full of passages that point us towards the Messiah, and the Messiah being Jesus Christ. Today's principle is this. Jesus Christ is the righteous Savior. And the way that that applies to our lives is that the righteousness of Jesus, because Jesus is righteous, He has imputed upon us his righteousness, all of those who believe in him. And we're going to discuss that word imputed and what exactly that means a little bit further here this morning. But before we do that, I want to tell you a little bit more about yesterday. I told you that we went to Richmond and at the Reed Presbyterian Church, which is this gothic cathedral of a church beautiful architecture (laughs) architecture texture it uh, was built back in 1904 daniel reed put up the funds for it and uh boy you walk inside and the woodwork and the detail and the engraving and it's it's just it's a sight to behold and that the stained glass windows They were all made by Tiffany, and apparently it's one of only 10 structures, and I can't remember if it was in America or the world, where all of the stained glass windows were made by Tiffany, and there's like 62 of these windows. Anyway, all toll, back in the day, uh, in today's dollars, comes out to $7.5 million was the cost of this church and it's it's an amazing structure and as we were in there everyone was looking around and we had someone who was teaching us about the history of the building itself and everyone was ooing and eyeing and you know my thoughts in that moment were being taken away and of course I was um, enjoying the structure itself and all that detail but you know folks nothing is going to compare to the heavenly home that is being prepared for us right now by our Lord Jesus Christ. All of the beautiful woodwork, all of the beautiful uh, plaster and the details of it, all of the trim and the marble and the stained glass pales in comparison to what the Lord is preparing for us now. And so that, to me, is a wonderful encouragement that we have a heavenly home that is being made not with the hands of humans, but by a good, gracious, and perfect God. Boy, can you wait to see what that was going to look like? So that's what we're going to talk about today, is that Jesus Christ is righteous, and what are the benefits, in fact, what is significant to us about the righteousness of Jesus Christ? What we know is this, is that Jesus Christ is the perfect representation in the flesh of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The scriptures say it this way, Jesus is the image 
of the invisible God. When Jesus Christ dwelled upon the earth with men, those that looked upon Jesus could see God. And I don't mean as far as his physical appearance is concerned. I'm talking about his character, his attributes, the way that he composed himself and carried himself, went about his daily business. They were seeing the very heart, mind, and spirit of God himself. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And he lived a sinless and perfect life. And so what I want to discuss just a little bit here to, uh, at the outset is the righteousness of Jesus Christ before we get into why that's significant to us. Jesus is wholly righteous. That means what I say, W-H-O-L-L-Y there, holy, meaning completely or absolutely righteous. Through and through, Jesus Christ is righteous. His very essence, every fiber of his being, heart, mind, and spirit is completely righteous. Now, what does it mean that Jesus is righteous? That word means just, it means innocent, and it means holy, the other holy, H-O-L-Y. And holy means unblemished, perfect in all his ways. Jesus Christ is is the unblemished lamb of God. 1 John 3, 5 says this, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Jesus has no sin within him. Boy, it is so hard to be so good, isn't it? Isn't it hard to be good, to try and live a good life? Just try and tell yourself to be a good person and to live a good life. You know, there are some, many things that have been revealed to me in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And a few of them are this. The heart and mind of God. The scriptures have clearly taught me how the mind of God operates and how his heart is and his sacrificial love. And the more that you learn about the heart and mind of God, the more that I've seen how pitifully I fail and how short I fall of the glory of God. That has been clearly made evident to me as a human being that I fall pitifully short of God's glory. And then because I fall pitifully short of God's glory, it's also been revealed to me that I have no, nothing of and in myself. I have no power of my own to try and live a good and righteous life. It is the working of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit of God who does the good within me. That we can just be the vessel that God uses to do those good things that reflect his glory. You know, if I were to set my mind and if I were to set my energies on trying to be a good person on my own effort and my own energy I would fail miserably and have time and time and time again and it always brings me back to the knowledge that I need Jesus Christ I need him daily I need him hourly I need him minute by minute second by second 
It reveals to you in your mind just how weak we are and how much the sin of our flesh has corrupted us. The power of sin in our life. But it also reveals to us the power of God in our lives and the Holy Spirit, that wonderful battle that takes place within us, the battle between the spirit and the flesh becomes clearly evident the closer you draw to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, Jesus, he doesn't have that problem. I want to take you to the book of Hebrews here. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. You'll want to underline that verse. He has been tempted in all things yet without sin. Jesus Christ never sinned. He has no sin within him. Now, look over to chapter 7, still in Hebrews, chapter 7. And let's take a look at verse 26. It says this, For it is fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. My friends, the scriptures make it abundantly clear that Jesus Christ has no sin within him. That he lived a perfect and sinless life and he is the only one ever to do so. Jesus Christ was never corrupted by sin. And you know, that's very important because the world and Satan are working very hard to bring doubt into your mind just of who Jesus Christ was. They want to tell you things like, you know, Jesus, well, you know, he had lovers. Jesus and Mary Magdalene, you know, they, they had this secret affair and this secret relationship that uh, is not exactly detailed in the Bible, but based upon historical documents, we can make a safe assumption that Jesus Christ was a womanizer and that he and Mary Magdalene had these relationships. That's false. That's baloney. Jesus Christ never entered into those types of relationships. He kept himself pure and undefiled. The world and Satan like to say things such as, he was a violent revolutionary. You know, he came in. And do you remember that moment where he went to the temple and he flipped the tables of the money changers? Do you remember the words that he spoke to the Pharisees when he said, you hypocrites, you brood of vipers? Yeah, he was a violent revolutionary, that Jesus and he made a change because people were afraid of him. They also say things like, well, he was just a moral philosopher. He was just like any of the other religious leaders that we've had throughout the ages. He would speak a philosophy and people loved the way that he spoke. And he was able to convince many people to follow him and gather a crowd because he was so elegant and gracious with his words. And so people were endeared to him. Many people say, well, he was just a good man. He was just a good man. He did a lot of good things. He helped a lot of people, and people were drawn to him for that. Folks will also say that he was an angel or that he was a spirit being, and he was not human. Jesus Christ came to this earth 
as a human being. He left his abode in heaven and he came to dwell on this earth in human form. He experienced emotions. He experienced pain. He experienced anger. He experienced all of the things and was tempted in all of the things that you and I were tempted in. There's not a temptation known to man that Jesus Christ was not tempted in. Nothing. But Jesus never sinned. He is completely and wholly righteous and he is without sin. Do not let anyone tell you otherwise. Jesus Christ is the sinless Savior. So that's why Jesus is righteous, because he has no sin within him. He's also righteous because he always does the Father's will. John 8, 29, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus Christ always did the things that were pleasing to the Father. Now, sure, there were moments of prayer. The Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus Christ was in the garden and he realized what he was about to do to take the sins of the world upon himself, that he was going to allow himself to be put up on a Roman crucifix, have those nails driven into him for the sins of the world. And there as he prayed, Lord, Father, if this cup may pass from me, please let it pass from me. And droplets of blood, sweat mixed with drops of blood came out of him at the time. Jesus Christ had his moments of prayer. There were words from the cross that he spoke. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But even in these moments, Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled the Father's will. He was pleasing to God as John the Baptist submerged Jesus Christ into the Jordan River and Jesus came up out of the water a voice boomed out of the heavens and it said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased Jesus Christ is righteous because he always fulfilled and perfectly carried out the will of the father now Jesus is also righteous because Jesus loves people John eleven five says this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That was just one example of Jesus' love. And that is the second greatest command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know a phrase that I hear a lot? I don't like people. I, I hear that a lot. You hear that. I don't like people. Don't you? You hear that a lot. And I don't think in that context, I don't think people really mean that. I think what they mean is I don't like the drama that people bring, right? It's the drama. It's the, it's the issues. It's the, it's the idiosyncrasies, if you will. It's not necessarily that people don't like people. Jesus loved people. And Jesus' thoughts and his actions we're always toward trying to bring people to him, to God. 
everything that he spoke, everything that he did, even when he was getting on the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, calling them hypocrites and brood of vipers. Now, that was in a different context and a different culture. You know, we may say things in a different way today, but still it's the same spirit there. You know, love brings forth that type of attitude at times and certainly jesus did that but jesus is righteous because he has no sin he always did the father's will and jesus loved people now that is important for us to understand what the righteousness of jesus is because it's very significant to us and i'm going to give you two reasons why the righteousness of jesus is significant to us and there's two words and i want you to try and write them down if you can uh, theological terms one is propitiation and the other is imputation. Not amputation, but imputation. Amputation is when you take something off or take it away. But imputation is when you add something or put something on. Propitiation and imputation. This is why the righteousness of Jesus Christ is very important to us. Because number one, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins now propitiation that's a word that you'll find in scripture uh, particularly in the new testament many times and it means this atoning sacrifice or a satisfactory payment jesus is the satisfactory payment for our sins our sins carry a very high price and jesus christ is the only one who could pay that price last night after we were at the play in Richmond, we went to a restaurant. And while we were there, we finished up and the waitress brought out the bill and I had a gift card. And I put the gift card in the little plastic piece at the top and I put the tip in there as well. Here you go. Out the door. She came back and she said, well, you still owe 93 cents. I had a $50 gift card and the bill was $50.93. That was pretty good. Right, we did that pretty good. $50.93. And she came back and she said, you still owe 93 cents. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, I gave you a very generous tip. Just take the 93 cents out of that tip. <laughs> and as she walked away, Amy was like, we should have gave her another dollar. We should have gave her another dollar. We said, I said, no, it's fine. I said, we gave her more than enough of a tip. I said, she can take the 93 cents out of that. But anyway, when she came back at first, she was thinking, this is not satisfactory payment. You still owe 93 cents on your bill. You know, uh, you folks know I was an avid baseball card collector, right? And my top card that I had was a 1969 Mickey Mantle baseball card, tops baseball card. That was by far my best baseball card. At one point in time, back in the 90s, I know that it had reached a value of over $500, which I don't know what it is now. But anyway... I had a binder of plastic sheets I kept my cards in, and that card was first place in my binder. You open it up, and right there, the Mickey Mantle 1969 baseball card. That, to me, was a no-trade card. There was nothing anybody could offer me that I would ever trade that card to hell. That much value to me. And so it was off the trading block. That whole time I had that card. 
you know, you may have things in your life that hold that type of value as well. Things that you would never consider parting ways with. You know, the loved ones that we have in our lives, you know, uh, one phrase that we would use sometimes in our house is, I wouldn't trade you for a pot of gold, or I wouldn't trade you for all the money in the world, right? And certainly you feel that way about the people that you love. And if you have children, you certainly wouldn't trade them for all the money in the world or a pot of gold. You would do anything to hang on to them. And, and when you think about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and you think, wow, the Father, he looks over at his only begotten Son. And do you think that God ever wavered or flinched about offering him up on your behalf? Was Jesus off the trade block? Was Jesus untradeable? Does that put into perspective the love that God has for you and his thoughts toward you? That he would be willing to allow his son to endure the punishment he did and to allow him to be sacrificed for you, each individually, individually and collectively, you were worthy enough that God would trade his son for you. And he never regretted it. You were, un, you were um, worthy of God's only son. And you know, Jesus Christ is also our propitiation. He's a satisfactory payment because he is a sinless person and only a sinless person can take away sins the book of hebrews and i got it up this one up there is that in 10 4 for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin now in the old testament you see the sacrificial system that they had those sacrifices they atoned for sin at the time but they could never pay the penalty for the sins for eternity it took a sinless and blameless person someone who lived without sin who knew no sin who had no sin within him and what those sacrifices were doing to those people at the time they were making an illustration and they were painting a picture of the messiah the promised messiah that they knew about the promised Messiah who was to come, the one who was to save them from their sin. And the sacrifice of those animals also let them know, look, sin carries a high price. And your sin is not only detrimental to yourself, but it's detrimental to everyone around you. Do you see the high penalty of your sin? That was the illustration. That's what God was trying to put across to those folks in the Old Testament is that sin carried a high price and that their need for God would never go away and that those sacrifices pointed to Jesus Christ who gave himself as a once and for all sacrifice. Hebrews 9.22 also goes on to say, that there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And it took the shedding of a sinless Savior to take away the sins of the world. Now, folks, 
We simply do not qualify. You know, we often say, you've heard me say, Jesus took our place on the cross. But the fact of the matter is, even if you went to the cross and died for your own sins, it would not be a satisfactory payment. Because we are sinful. And you can't wash away sin with the sacrifice of a sinful person. It required the sacrifice of a sinless person. So even if we all went to the cross, our sin wouldn't have been taken away. Our sins would have still been upon us because we were sinful. It took the sacrifice of a sinless person. A sinless man, a sinless human being, and that was Jesus Christ. That's why he is a propitiation for our sins, a substitute, an atonement, and a satisfactory payment. And it's only Jesus and Jesus alone who is able to do this. You know, there's a scene in heaven. Look what it says there, first of all, in 1 John 2, 2. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but those of the whole world the scene shifts to heaven around john chapter revelation chapter 5 4 and 5 where the scene shifts to heaven after jesus gives his message to the seven churches on the earth there's a scene john is carried away in the spirit to heaven and they're standing there at the throne with the elders and they're given a book with seals upon it and Revelation 5, 4 says this. I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look in it. That's the scene in heaven. There is no one worthy to open this book, to break its seals, and to look in it. No one. And so there we are. Our entire um, destination depends upon this moment that took place in heaven. And the book is there, and there's no one worthy to open it. And then you read down a little further into verse 9, and it says, They sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book to break its seals, for you were slain. And purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nations. There it was, that moment in heaven, where Jesus Christ received the book and he was found worthy to open the book, to break the seals. No one else could have done that. Only Jesus and Jesus alone. Folks, your very existence and everything that you do up to this point and will do in the future is fully dependent upon what Jesus has already done. Please don't ever take the arrogant, boastful attitude and pride that can so easily come into our lives and think that you are all that because you are not. And without Jesus Christ, you are incapable of doing any good work. It is the good of God in you. That's why the world, those who are lost and those do not, that do not have Christ, they don't work for the glory of God. They work for themselves and their minds are depraved and so they're working actually against the things of God and not for the things of God. 
You know, I eventually I traded that Mickey Mantle baseball card. It was on the no trade block for all those years. And finally someone came to me with a trade. It took a 1962 Willie Mays and a 1962 Sandy Koufax to convince me that I should let go of that Mickey Mantle baseball card, and I did. And now I regret it. <laughs> because that Mickey Mantle baseball card holds more value than the other two. You wouldn't think so, but it does. Mickey Mantle baseball cards hold their value very well, like a pickup truck, you know, it just holds its value. And I wish I hadn't made that trade. But what's done is done. My friends, I want to let you know right now, God does not regret for one minute ever making the trade of his only begotten son for you. That is a trade that he would make over and over and over again. So great is his love for you that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Hmm. Boy, that's rich. So Jesus, he is wholly righteous, and therefore the propitiation, if you will, a satisfactory payment for our sins. And his righteousness is also significant to us because of another reason, a word you wrote down earlier, imputation. Jesus imputed his righteousness upon us. And that word imputed, it's actually a legal term, which means to credit to someone's account. So, you know, this time of year, you may return Christmas gifts. <laughs> you know, it's weird. Amy returned something to Amazon last night, and I think I've mentioned this before, but they said, go ahead and keep it, and they refund your money. If it's, if it's not a very valuable thing, they just tell you to go ahead and keep it. It's like, can we do that with everything we buy? We just... <laughs> Go ahead and just try to refund all of our Christmas gifts. Maybe they'll give us our money and we'll get to keep the gifts, right? <laughs> Maybe it won't work that way. But anyway, it's a legal term. It means a credit to someone's account. You know, our account was in the red and our account was unpaid. The collection agency was coming after us. A few months back, earlier in the year, uh, we had a, a medical expense, and it was like a, a $6,000 out-of-pocket medical expense that I had paid. Well, five months, six months go by, and I get a call uh, from a doctor's office about this thing. And I, they call, well, you still owe $1,100. We have a bill. I'm like, you're a little late to the party. I'm like, you can just go ahead and keep that bill. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't need it. Um, but anyway, they said, well, we were, uh, they were actually a collections agency. And they said, yeah, we need that payment. And I said, look, I paid everything that I needed to pay. And now you're hitting with me this, you know, several months later. How do I know you're not trying to scam me, right? And uh, yada, yada, yada. Well, a few weeks go by and I get a letter in the mail wanting that she had asked me, my name and then my address and when she read the address she said I said you got the wrong address so here they were getting ready to you know send me to collections and they had my address wrong I'm like I didn't receive your payment because you had the address wrong so for that you just go ahead and keep that bill <laughs> right 
I'm not paying that. You messed up. You've done messed up too many times for me to pay that anyway. You're late to the party. You should have done this six months ago. So anyway, you know, you get sent to, uh, you get a letter from collections and they want you to have to pay that payment, don't they? You know, that's the way it was with our spiritual debt that we carried in our sin. Ready to send us to the collections. A payment that we couldn't make. We were in the red. But Jesus Christ, because of his righteousness, he imputed that upon us. And it means that he clothed us in it. Look what it says there in Isaiah 64, 6. For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. What that verse is saying right there is that you cannot earn righteousness. Okay? Look, I understand we've, some of us have been in church since we were babies. Uh, we make contributions. We make donations to good causes we go on missions uh, we live a good life we go to work and we come home and we pay our bills and we get sent to collections and we do all of these things but that verse right there says that all of these things are filthy and unclean in the sight of God unless you have done them in the name of God himself there is nothing we can do to earn favor with God except believe in his son Jesus Christ and have faith in the Lord Jesus. No one can earn it. Matthew 22, there's this parable about the wedding feast. And in the culture of first century uh, Palestine, Jerusalem, Israel, it was commonplace for those who were parties of a wedding to give each other garments and those garments would be worn at that wedding. And if you did not wear the garment at the wedding, it was looked upon as an insult. So there would be an exchange of garments, and they would wear them at the wedding. And Jesus gives this parable, and he asks this man who comes to the wedding, he says, Sir, where are your wedding garments? Why are you not wearing them? And the man said, well, I did not receive any garments. And so Jesus says, well, you must leave the wedding. And that's the way it is with the heavenly kingdom. The wedding garments represent the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And in order for us to enter into the wedding, we have to be wearing the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so that righteousness needs to be placed upon us. It needs to be imputed upon us and there's only one way that that righteousness can be imputed upon us and it is through faith christ's righteousness is received in faith and faith alone romans three twenty three. even the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ for all those who believe for there is no distinction the Old Testament goes on to tell the story of Abraham. And in the book of Genesis, it talks about how Abraham was a friend of God and how Abraham received favor from God and that his, because of his faith and that his faith and belief in God was reckoned to him as righteousness. My friends, 
the righteousness of Jesus Christ is significant to us for two very important reasons. Because Jesus is without sin, he is able to be the satisfactory payment for our sins. There is no other way for sins to be fully paid for and that payment satisfactory other than what Jesus Christ was willing to do on the cross. He is the only one who was able to do that. And the other reason it's significant is because of what he did on the cross and his righteousness, he is able to take his righteousness and place it upon us like a wedding garment. You see, when God looks at us, he looks not at us. He looks at his son Jesus, and it's the righteousness of Jesus placed upon us that God sees, and he says, okay, you can come in to the wedding. That is the significance of Jesus' death on My friends, that is Christianity in its purest form. Never about you, but always about him. It is all about him. He is the founder of Christianity, and it all points to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you, Lord God, not only for the righteousness of your son, Jesus Christ, but for what he was willing to do on our behalf. Father, that he is the satisfactory payment for our sin, and that he, by his good grace and will, imputed that righteousness upon us. That he, you would willingly say to us that we could enter into your heavenly kingdom based upon what Jesus Christ has done. And that and that alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for a free ticket into paradise based upon our faith in Jesus Christ. Father, I want to thank you for that. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you've not had the righteousness of Jesus imputed upon you. You are carrying around your debt. Your debt has not been paid for. You are not wearing the wedding garment. If you were to stand before God today... You would be rejected from entering into the heavenly kingdom and you would be sent to the place of darkness of your own accord, of your own doing because you failed to receive Jesus Christ. You can do that right now. Please do not delay. Do not waste another moment. We are not guaranteed another moment once we live here. Who knows what will happen? Do not take for granted what you have right now. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Ask him, just like this, dear Jesus, please come into my life now. I want your salvation. I want you to guide me and to lead me. I want you to please, Lord, be my Savior. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would save me from my sins because I want to spend an eternity in heaven with you. Please put your righteousness upon me, dear Jesus. You can pray that where you're at right now and be accepted into the kingdom of God have your debt paid for satisfactorily heavenly father thank you for the free gift of eternal life through faith in your son Jesus Christ
And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.